scripture now from Braylon and Jenny. From Psalm 90 and 145. Lord, you have been our help generation after generation. Before the mountains were born, before you, you birthed the earth and the inhabited world from forever in the past to forever in the future, you are God. You return people to dust, saying, go back, humans, because in your perspective, a thousand years are like yesterday past, like a short period during the night watch. I will lift you up high, my God, the true king. I will bless your name forever and always. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and always. The Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God's greatness can't be grasped. One generation will praise your works to the next one, proclaiming your mighty acts. Your kingdom is a kingship that lasts forever. Your rule endures for all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all that he says, faithful in all that he does. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a joy it is to watch and listen to the both of you share God's word with us. Thank you so much. Great job. We are, as, as um, I indicated at the very beginning of the service, in this middle of a series on healthy families and hopeful futures. And as we've gone through this journey, we're trying to talk about those relationships that are so critical to our life that we live with literally every day, and think about how we can bring our faith to allow our family relationships to be as healthy as they can be, to cast great light on those places of health, and to continue to address the issues of the growing edges. And um, as we've been doing that, uh, we started this series off uh, around a communion table. And we uh, gathered there in some conversation before that, suggested that perhaps one of the things to think about in our own tables is perhaps to do what Jesus Christ did at the communion table, which is take off judgment and guilt as dishes on that table. That Jesus taught us that we are not the ones to judge, that's God's job, and I think he's pretty right because we don't do it very well. And that guilt for us is at best... Um, you know, that momentary nudge that says, oops, i got to take a look at what I'm doing, but it's not a lifestyle, uh, either to carry or put onto someone else. And so as we continue in our conversations on this topic today, I'm going to remind us of that and invite us to think about, let's lay aside any conversation or any expectation or any feelings of judgment and guilt, and yes, that takes prayer, but let's lay those aside as we talk about those relationships, generation to generation, that God has given us. So we're going to talk this morning, and uh, it's going to be conversational. One of the first things 
to talk about is these scriptures that we've got mm -hmm. before us. And you're seeing two different Psalms, 145 and Psalm 90. 145 is one that, uh, that you suggested because it speaks to that legacy from generation to generation and how we can choose to pass on the praising of God yeah. if, we, if we wish to, if we intentionally work on that mm -hmm. with children, grandchildren, uh, all those that we mentor. And then Psalm 90 is one that I brought to the table because that is a family psalm in my family. That's a psalm that my father loves. It's a psalm that my grandfather loves, or that my grandmother loves, and my grandfather too. And it speaks to, again, that eternal nature of God, that passing on from generation to generation, the legacy of faith, but also the brevity of human life. It says we're just here for a moment. Yeah. If you read further in the psalm, it says, maybe if we're lucky, we get 70 years or 80 years here on earth, but it's over quickly, and I'm already feeling that way, and I'm only 33. So the challenge for us as Christians is to make the most of each moment that we're given, to say, what will I do today or this year with the life that God has given me? You think you feel it. I, I feel it because I was talking to a financial planner this week who said, now, when do you expect to die? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That led to some really interesting conversation. Um, reality is, is that we are in that flow, right? We're in that generational flow. And I think that that's what, I love that, that you brought to our conversation to think about, that our, that our faith journey is very much connected to those who came before us and those who will be our legacy, those who will come after us. But perhaps one of the first ways we begin to navigate how we are, are at our best and bringing health and hope into our family structures is if we begin to think about who we are as an individual. Uh, that is something that is a very large part of our Christian calling, to understand that while we are part of that generational flow, we'll talk about that in a second, we also need to acknowledge the fact that we are very much uniquely gifted as children of God. Uh, we talk about that in terms of the uh, baptismal vows. Uh, you know, when we, when we baptize children, and by the way, at the 11 o'clock service, we're baptizing six children. Which pray is, for us. Pray for us. You may, <laughs> if, if you want to stay or tune in on live stream, it's going to be high entertainment value. Um, but it's also going to be amazingly wonderful, right? I mean, my goodness, we're able to celebrate this. And, and there's a moment for each one of those six children being baptized where they get called out specifically. We're going to lift them up in, in a manner of speaking, and we're going to turn to their parent, and we're going to say, hey, by what name should this child be baptized? And it isn't because we forgot. It's because we don't want to forget. It's because we want the community of faith to know that this child is, is uniquely gifted and called and nurtured and loved by God. And so when we name the child in baptism, we oftentimes just use the first and the middle name. And we don't even put on the last name because it isn't just that this child is the, is the child of, but rather this is the child of God. And, and in that moment, in that naming, we're really saying you have your own identity and power and presence before God. And in baptism, we claim that new identity in Jesus Christ, which is so important because you go out into the world and the world's going to give you so many different names and titles and identities. But when you come into this place as baptized followers of Christ, or whether you're baptized or not, truly, we know that we're beloved. We're worthy of love. We're worthy of respect. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. The titles that we claim here are those of love and respect. And that's 
a critical piece of our story as Christians. And then speaking to baptism too, that's another piece where generation to generation comes in because we baptize babies in this tradition. And so we're baptizing kids who are not speaking for themselves yet, but those parents are saying, I promise to raise this child in the faith. I promise to teach them about Jesus and show them what it means to live a life of faith. And then we practice confirmation in our tradition where those same children, once they've grown up, say, okay, I'm a teenager now, I want to claim for myself this faith that my parents claimed for me earlier in my life. And they make that decision. And we're making that decision too. We always say that to you, right? I mean, you have a response in baptism. So the parents know that this is a critical responsibility, but they're not in it alone because they got all of you. I mean, when we baptize these children, we name the children and we... You know, we commit that when we see them in Kroger, I always say this to you, when you see the ki- that child in Kroger, it's not just a kid running around Kroger, that's a kid you have a covenant relationship with, and it talks about how you relate to them and how you live your life before them. But even after confirmation, we continue that process, and you know, we have youth groups, and you know, I mean, Jeremy right now with the Senior High Youth Ministry has an entire year, which his primary focus is helping every child who comes, or youth who comes into the youth program to understand this is a year of discovering their purpose. I mean, God has gifted them. So what is your purpose? What, do you, what is it that God is asking and needing you to do? Not only when you grow up, but tomorrow at school. Because we find our identity there. And that brings health and it allows us to find our own unique gifts as individuals that we can bring to our family. And sometimes as we talk about health as individuals in the context of generation to generation, one of the first steps is that we have to lay some stuff down Some of us come from wonderful families, but every family's got challenges, and some of us come from more dysfunctional systems. And so whatever stuff or baggage we bring from our families of origin, we come into this place and we say, okay, some of this I don't need to be carrying around with me. I can can lay it down. I don't have to be whatever my parents or grandparents were. Even if they were wonderful or amazing, you're not going to live out everything that they lived out simply because the context of life has changed. I remember when I uh, went to my first church, picking up on this theme, I, uh, I walked out the first Sunday. I literally have a picture image in my mind. Um, and I saw, of course, it's fairly full because, you know, first Sunday they want to check out the new guy. They want to find out what, it, you know. And uh, I remember walking out and looking at a relatively full congregation and went, I wonder which of these families will have problems that I'll have to help them deal with. Wow, was I naive. Now I walk in and go, I wonder what your nonsense is. You know, I mean, we all, because we all have it, right? I mean, that's the joy of it. The fact is we can all acknowledge that at various levels and degrees, yes. But the reality is as we engage with each other in our family systems, one of the freeing pieces about being part of the Christian faith is we can all simply lay it down to go, yeah, we all got stuff. So you can talk about your stuff with me and I'll talk about my stuff with you, you know, appropriately and so on. But the point is we, are, we can be a supportive community knowing that we're all going through challenges and celebrations generation to generation. Yeah, so the celebration piece is important too because there are good things from the generations before us that we want to make sure that we don't forget. And sometimes it's the stories that we tell to the next generation that help carry on that legacy, which makes me think um, the first church that I served, there was a, a man in that church who was in his 90s, and I received a story about his father named Addison, who I never met. He was dead decades before I ever set foot in that church. But people told the story about Addison. And the story that they told was the church was going through this big controversial time and they were deciding whether or not to put in stained glass windows in the church. 
And Addison fought it tooth and nail because he was a farmer. And so he wanted to be able to look out the windows and see, is it raining? Is it sunny? (laughs) What's the situation going to be like when I get out of church this morning? What am I going to have to deal with? And so he fought this thing tooth and nail, but eventually the church voted against him. And they decided, we're going to put in some stained glass windows. And they're very lovely. You can see them in the church today. But what Addison did after fighting this long battle is he said, well, okay then, you're going to vote against me. I see where the church is going. I want to be the first one to put down a dollar for these new stained glass windows because you've made the direction clear and I want to be part of that. And that story continues to be told in that church to the point where I heard it dozens upon dozens of times as their pastor because that's the legacy that he left, not only to his son and his grandson who still participate in the life of that church, but to that whole community. That's the story that's told. That's one of those best pieces of his life that gets passed on as a legacy. And we all have those stories. So maybe part of the selection is figuring out what stories we hold on to and share and what ones we just lay down and let drift into the dust of history. Part of it also is I think that as, as we go through that generational flow, the reality is that I change in my roles in that generational flow. Sure. You know, um, you know I once was that little boy and I looked to my parents to take care of me and provide for me and all those good things. And it flows, and so now I'm in a different place in my generational family. That is to say, now I am 64 and starting to be, please don't tell my dad I said this, starting to be the parent to my parent, okay? And my roles have changed in doing that, and fortunately, thanks be to God, Dad is all about me helping him. So I'm blessed with that. I mean, Dad wants me to know everything and take care of everything. I don't have any static for my dad, and I know not everybody has that, right? And so I'm really blessed by that. But the reality is, is I've been able to change, or in some ways had to change, what my role is in my family system throughout my life. Sort of the same thing. I get to choose what I pick up and what I lay down. I get to choose, okay, now I'm no longer that 12-year-old kid. I'm now who I am today, and how do I function today in this family system gives me a freedom to make a new decision. And I think that's where part of our faith is, that every day is an opportunity to take a new choice about who we are and how we will represent our faith and how we'll live with the people around us, including our families. And so that really is a very freeing and invitational way to suggest to all of us, where are you in your generational flow? What, who are you today? different than you were back whenever that was, and how are you preparing for what's coming next? We all get to make that decision, and that makes for a very healthy, dynamic possibilities within our family system. Yeah. I know from having conversations with some of you that you're in the midst of some of these things, of caring for parents or caring for kids. Maybe it's deciding when a teenager is ready to drive. Maybe it's discerning when a parent maybe shouldn't be driving anymore. Or maybe you're one of those. Maybe you're the teenager who's like, come on, mom, let me, let me have the wheel. Or maybe you're a little bit further on. And maybe it's an invitation to think about where you're at in this new mm-hmm. unfolding drama. Because it does shift over time. And it the does. question to ask ourselves as reflective people of faith is, what's shifted lately? What has changed in my life and in this generational drama in the last year, five years, ten years, because we're not the same. It's not the same relationship between all of us. And sometimes those aren't aren't seismic shifts. Sometimes they're reminders, you know, like maybe it's as simple as the fact 
you know, I really haven't been calling home often enough. I've gotten busy, things are going on, you know, my journey's taken off, or whatever's going on with me, and you sort of forget, maybe I need to take more time with kids, significant other, parents, brothers, siblings, whoever it might be. And so it may be a, a simple, you know, reorienting of our journey to say, geez, can I just make a commitment once a week to pick up the phone or text or however you want to communicate with them? just to stay in contact. Those, those little decisions make a big difference. You know, when, uh, when your families are able to say what we need and what we'd like to ask of you and what we'd like to do, man, it doesn't have to be a whole family powwow. It can be a simple moment. And, and significant things can change when we remember that we could be more present or maybe in another way a healthier person within this relationship. Let me offer that. So you mentioned pick up the phone once a week. But one thing that we've talked about is when you're looking for health within your family system, you can't look at what other people are setting as as the bar, right? So for once a week is great for some families. And for other families, it's every day you're going to be picking up the phone or receiving a phone call. I know that's true between my grandma and my mom. They talk every single day on the phone. And for them, that's that's the standard. But to say that to another family, to say you should be talking every single day on the phone would feel ridiculous and overbearing and not possible. And so in this place, in this community of faith, we have to let go of some of those comparisons too and say, hey, what's healthy for my family may not be what health looks like in your family system. And that's okay. It doesn't have to look the same as long as we're working on those relationships and nurturing them, which sidebar, something that we haven't talked about yet, yeah. is all this conversation is in the context of health, some certain level of health. We're assuming that these are healthy relationships, but the truth is not every family has healthy relationships in every branch, and so we would never want to say to anybody, yeah, you need to continue on in that relationship that is abusive or toxic or really disastrous to you and your family. We want you to set healthy boundaries and healthy limits to protect yourself. So that's just a little sidebar on everything we've been talking about. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe that's also where others around us can help us understand that and guide us in that too. And so to be able to turn to that is very helpful. So picking up on what you said there, if I'm looking at a relationship in my family that I really do need to lay down, I I think about the Ten Commandments and, you know, honor thy father and mother, Mm -hmm. which is always and emotionally laid in scripture for folks because some of us have like, man, I got that. I mean, I want to honor my mom and dad because I was really blessed. And some of us have a hard time figuring out what that means because that maybe those relationships weren't honorable. And maybe it wasn't mom and dad. Maybe it was somebody else in the family. We just have a hard time saying honor them or, or respect them or whatever. The thing I thought about that is, is that I think sometimes we could look at it this way, that maybe it doesn't mean that we honor everything that someone did because none of us are honorable in every moment, right? I mean, there's parts of me that I don't want someone ever to replicate, and there's parts of me I don't want ever somebody to hold me judged by, cause my worst moments kind of thing. Uh, you know, we do funerals, you know, where we walk in, and sometimes we don't know the person who passed away. We only get to meet the family. We get called in because it's a community funeral. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm picking up a vibe from the family and the friends. And sometimes, man, they're effusive about their praise and their celebration. And sometimes it's what they don't say that tells you a lot. You know, and I always, whenever I walk into situations to bury somebody who 
uh, I never knew. I not only try to get the stories about them and if they say they passed away in, their, in later years, 80, 90, whatever, the reality is, is that I try to think about them. What were they like as a 12-year-old little boy or girl? You know, their story's broader than anyone knows. And so you try to, to get a capture of all of that. But maybe it's also the case that when I think about the parts of the, my generation before me that's been broken and I want to honor that, how I honor that is by saying, how do I want to live honorably now so that I lay down that generational stuff so I don't pass it on to the next generation? If, if for example, my father and my mother did not have an honorable relationship with me or each other or whatever, then what am I going to do today to make sure that I restore honor to the role of, in this case, husband, dad, whatever, or whatever your role might be. So I think there's a way to think about that commandment of bringing honor into the relationships, and you get, again, to judge what your generation is going to give to the next one, which is, again, freeing and wonderful. Yeah. So we've covered a lot of ground so far this morning, mm -hmm. and the question then becomes, what's next? Where do we go from here? What are the next steps? And I think that depends on the place that each one of us is in. Because for some people, the next step may be that piece of self-differentiation, saying, okay, I'm unique from my parent or my child. It may be that piece of saying, I am not the generation before or the generation that's coming after me. And in fact, perhaps I need to set some boundaries. That could be a next step, mm -hmm. setting some healthy limits. We, we love boundaries. We encourage healthy boundaries. Um, or perhaps the next step is understanding that things have shifted in your family structure. And that's okay. Things are different now than they were a couple years ago or a decade ago. So that could be your next step, just acknowledging a new reality or, or thinking about what that new reality might be in your family. Or a third next step could be, hey, I need to nurture some of these relationships. I need to pick up the phone. I need to invest some time, some energy, some money in these relationships, which is something that Pastor Rick talked about in his sermon last week. I need to pursue these relationships with my parent or grandparent or child with a little more, a little more oomph. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the next step. So I don't know what your next step needs to be, but my guess is within your heart and mind, if you continue to think and pray about it, you're going to get nudged by the Holy Spirit to go, here's what I need to do. And maybe it's not a monumental shift. Maybe it's as simple as, oh, that's right, i got to start. Oh, I said I would. Or maybe it is a shift. But either way, here's the reality. Within our families, God always intended them to be healthy. God always wanted us to have a generation where we're providing new hope to the next generation. And the great news today is that all of us have the opportunity to live into that truth. Whatever has been, whatever is, we have an opportunity in the presence of the living Christ to help be discerned about what will be for all of our families, for all of the ones that we love. This might be a new day as we celebrate the best of the past and trust for God for that which is to come. And I invite you to think right now about those persons who God immediately is putting in your heart and mind. You just know who they are. And I'm going to invite you to join with me in a moment of prayer. Gracious and loving God, Help each one of us to be fully who we have the opportunity to be in your name, in our family. 
and help us to find our path to offer health and hope. For surely, as we are in your family, we've discovered that that is entirely what you want for all of us, healthy lives and hopeful futures. Because you're with us, it can be made so. So for all the blessings and joy and wonder and love that we revel, that we receive from family, we give you thanks. And for all the possibilities that are yet out there, we humbly surrender to you and ask that you bless each one of us. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.